Welcome to the Open Adoption Project, where we talk about all things adoption. We're the Nelsons. I'm Sean. And I'm Lynette. We're excited to share an interview with our friends, the Olsons, who are adoptive parents. We love sharing interviews with you because there are so many great stories out there in the adoption world, and we love sharing different perspectives. The Olson family loves being outdoors. They enjoy movie nights and taking road trips, especially to the Oregon coast. These days, most of their time is spent working on their house, but if they do have some free time, Andrew likes to fish and sing, but not at the same time. And Brianna likes gardening, baking, and especially baking breads and desserts. We really hope you enjoy this episode. We are now on with Brianna and Andrew. Thanks so much, guys, for joining us. We're excited to hear from you. You're welcome. We're glad to be here, too. All right. To start off, we're hoping that you guys can share a bit of your adoption story. Um, Yeah, we have been in the adoption world for 12 years. Um, We just said we're done. We're not updating our home study. so we can say we're we're done now, but I guess we're still involved with adoption. We have two girls who we've adopted. One, she's 10 now, and one is four. Both of them have been through agency adoption, um, and it's been great experiences and a lot of roller coasters in between. All right, so now we're going to share a few questions that we received from some of our listeners. The first one is, how do you know which adoption agencies are good and which ones to avoid? For us, it really comes down to ethics, like which ones are really ethical. And that's kind of a loaded uh, word, maybe. But for me, I feel like the thing that's been the most important to us was really finding out from birth parents, their experiences with adoption agencies. If you go on an adoption group or you ask adoptive parents, generally, if they had a successful adoption, they're going to speak highly of the agency. Sometimes there might be some things that they had go wrong, but I found that usually they're pretty positive. It's been a great experience. It's really so one-sided and they're the ethics really fall on how they treat the, the birth parents and expectant parents and um, how they treat them after they place or, you know, pressuring them. So really talking to birth parents is the way to find out if they're going to be ethical. And there are a lot of things. I mean, you could Google things to find it online. You know, what questions should I ask? You can ask things about race-based pricing and, and find out do they charge different amounts for a different a child of another race you know you can you can ask even like you can ask the agencies like give me a breakdown of your fees like how does this work and where is this money going and you know how do you treat your expecting parents there are a lot of things you can ask them truthfully I always ask them but I don't necessarily trust them that's when I always want to go and ask birth parents and talk to them because I feel like they're going to tell you, I mean, you know, you just really, I feel like if you want to find someone ethical, you have to do more than just do a little research. Do more than talk to the people in charge. I would uh, talk to people who have used the services and see what their experience has been. Great advice. That's really good advice. Thank you. Did you, in your adoption journeys, feel like you came across agencies where it really was kind of sketchy or you just didn't feel comfortable? And how did you face that challenge? 
there were sometimes a couple agencies and somewhere earlier on we didn't really know a lot and it was like wow we really kind of felt forced into things and a lot of pressure and didn't have a lot of answers on some of those we didn't really realize a lot of questions to answer and fortunately it didn't work out like there was one agency that i was like oh i'm so glad that that situation didn't pan out because since then I've learned other things. But there were some situations that we had presented. It was actually through a lawyer. There were two different lawyers that we had talked to. And it just when they were telling us things, basically it came down to, wow, this sounds really good, like too good to be true. But it also was a lot of money and like, wait a second, where are you putting this, you know, the things that they said, even just about the expectant parents, it just made me feel so uncomfortable. I was like, there's no way I'm going through with this. Again, adoptive parents had given glowing like reports. It just didn't feel right. You know, and we knew. Yeah, so kind of right. trusting your gut reaction. I think it's a little fun. tricky. I don't want to go into total specifics, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, and it's really hard too. Like you want to have another child and there's maybe a, a, a scenario present where that you know, your decisions could lead to you having another baby. But when you're considering ethics, like, oh man, I I can't make this choice because I don't feel right about it. Even though I want to have another child so badly, that's just, that's a really hard place to be put. So I had a friend who was like, Brianna, because I was talking to her like, well, there's certain things, you know, you can't do. Because she was like, well, I knew if someone like, they're going to buy our car. And I was like, you know, you, you can't buy a car. Like you can't, there's certain rules. Like you can't pay for education. You can't buy a car. You know, every state's different. But she was like, but you know what? Some people are going to do that. And she was like, you are going to be a better parent than them. So you just do it. It doesn't matter. And I was like, it does matter. It matters to me and to my child who yeah. I have to like realize like how they were brought into our family matters. And, and I think you have to, remember that when you're like you can't become so desperate that you're like i want a child no matter what i mean that's mm-hmm. a problem when you sit back and think on that don't don't let emotion over you know overcrowd out uh, ethics right what's what's right uh, and i think you know sometimes because you do you really want it's hard adoption is hard and you get to a point points at times where you're really having a hard time and you think like man when is this going to happen and can't uh, take shortcuts That is such great advice. Thank you so much, you guys. Private adoption versus agency adoption, which is better and why? I think it depends because I think most people, uh, when you're you're choosing a private adoption, it's because of cost. When when you choose a private adoption, you still have to, it's not, you don't want to just try to do it because you're doing it to be as cheap as possible, which I know that sounds bad. The agencies, they'll usually provide counseling for the birth moms which is great. And I think if you're doing a private adoption, you ought to look at doing the same uh, to not say, hey, it's it's less expensive if I go through with a private adoption. But I, I think uh, you ought to look at doing some of the same types of things that an agency would offer. Make sure that you're using ethical lawyers. One other thought I had with it is if you're a private person, you're going to have a really hard time with private adoption because you have to get out there you have to tell people that you're hoping to adopt we know we've known people that are private and uh it could be a challenge see what works for you yeah see what works for you and there's not one right answer to this really it's really a personal decision on what you'd like to do and in our process of adoption we've tried both so we really love the idea of private adoption. Like, truthfully, it kind of goes back to that adoption agency. I haven't found many agencies that I do love that I feel like are really ethical. And so 
for us, like we are really supportive of counseling. We, you know, any expected moms that we would talk to, like that was really something that we were like, yeah, we are going to cover this. We want to make sure you're, that you're being taken care of and that you're making sure you're making the right choice for you. And so for us, we felt like, hey, private would be great. Like we're really aware of this and we want to make sure we're doing everything right. But ultimately it didn't work out, right? Like we, I mean, we kind of felt like we could keep going, but it got to the point where it was like, this has been a long wait and we know that there are other options. And right now we're gonna use one of those other options. And it, and it worked, you know, and truthfully, when we decided that the second time around, it worked rather quickly. It doesn't always, but um, there's a cost both ways, right? Like private adoption is cheaper for some people. It takes a long time. For some people, it's really quick. You really have no idea what's gonna um, happen. So you do just have to kind of figure out your situation and what works for you. And it's not an easy decision. You know, a lot of decisions with adoption are difficult. Um, but it's, it's one that, you know, take time to figure out what it is that you want to do. It's a really good answer. You guys are so great. And I actually really love that thought about how private people have a hard time with private adoption. That's really kind of a funny Conundrum. irony. Yeah. But it's true, right? Like you, yeah. doing a private adoption, you really have to put yourself out there to get the word out yeah. that you are hoping to adopt. Yes. Share you, you have to, you have to, if you're an introvert and you don't like talking to people, uh, you're going to have a really hard time it's with it. I mean, it could, it could work. I'm yeah. not an introvert. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I enjoyed telling people about it when, when we were in the middle of it all. This next question is, do you have any advice on creative ways to pay for agency adoption? This one's tricky. Um, cause I think there's a lot of, this is like the day of fundraising, right? Like the days of GoFundMe. And for some people that probably feels like a really easy thing. Um, and that's one thing that, so it's interesting. Andrew actually works in fundraising. Um, so, you know, you would think that we'd be all of this. We actually can't do it because it's, but, yeah, the content but from what we've read anyway, really it's not always, um, it's, it's, in the eyes of birth parents, it's not always seen as great to have adoptive parents doing fundraising. So I think that's just kind of like a word of caution, like just to be aware that for some of these parents, some sometimes the reason is financial or that's part of the reason. And so if you're going out to ask someone for a couple thousand or more, um, just realize that if these parents were asking for that, would you be willing to give it to them? Like, you know, that's, and if they had that, would they be choosing adoption? So I think, to start off, that's what we kind of, that's the disclaimer, right? Like, <laughs> with that being said, I feel like for us in most creative ways, we're just like, we live really frugally. You know, we're on a, we're on a single income and at one point he was working for the Boy Scouts. So, you know, that income wasn't always great, right? But we have been able to it make it work. There are things that you can do. Um, I know that there have been people like friends we've had who decided to sell their home and they use the money they made on that for their adoption. That's a huge one. You know, we were fortunate we didn't have to do that, but there, we had looked into loans. There are things like that that you can do. Um, but there are some other things. I don't know if Andrew wants to talk about it. I know that some people, what they've done is like done like different, like if they are crafty or if they make something right, like if they've done things like that, selling those things, like, We've had people who um, have come to like aerate our lawn, like, and they're they're doing it like because they're trying to raise money. It's 
there's always going to be work involved. Like if you're trying to pay for it, there's going to be work. It's not going to be an easy thing. I've known people who have planned up a 5K and they did this huge event and it was work, but it was successful and they were able to um, do do some adoptions, right? Like people are doing garage sales, which doesn't seem like, I think sometimes you think like, that's not enough money. And I get that. But when you are trying to do this, you just basically, it's like, it's like getting another job, you know, get a part-time job, right? Like there have to be ways to make it work. Um, yeah, providing a service of some sort, you know, yeah. it could be something like, uh, as we've been in different times of, you know, uh, different things we've done sometimes I've tilled people's gardens you know and, and that was a side thing that I did for a little while uh, or sometimes there's even like uh, <laughs> bank account promotions like you set up a bank account and they give you $400 you think like okay $400 and we need 30000 that's not uh, a whole lot but it's it, it you can take some time to prepare for it financially it, it it's a process it's not going to happen overnight <laughs> maybe it does uh, but uh, you know it's um, you can prepare financially along the way, and and part of that preparation is also adjusting the way that your lifestyle is, and so that you're watching the amount that you're spending, and and that could be a great way of saving, uh, of getting some more money to to go towards this adoption is just cutting something out that maybe is a necessity, or you just open 50 bank accounts that offer $400 for each, right? <laughs> Probably yeah. not going to work. Probably not going to work, yeah. but it'll do something. I mean, yeah, if you do like one or two of them, you know, you'll, yeah. you'll get, it'll give you something towards it, which $400 is it's great. It's something, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, those first couple of questions were more about agencies and kind of the logistics of adopting. The next few questions kind of shift gears a little bit. This next one that we'll ask is about your experience at the hospital when you adopted your children. Can you share a little bit about those experiences? Yeah, I don't know. They were really, they're both really special times. They're both, they were both very different yeah. um, during that time. For us, I think the biggest thing we learned was just to be flexible. And, and um, both times we were actually fortunate to be in the hospital and we stayed in the hospital. And so yeah. that was there. It was really a really neat experience, but we also realized like you have to realize at the time, like, and we had to realize like, this is not our child yet, you know, and we don't know if it would like, it was possible both these girls weren't going to go home with us. And so, um, so you really want to be flexible and just be really accommodating and make sure that you are, really just aware and kind of um, advocating for for the birth parents. With our older daughter, her birth mom wrote up a plan of things that she wanted to happen in the hospital and um, and that was great. That was but helpful. some of those things I from what I had learned from birth parents we placed before, I was sure she was going to regret. And I kind of pushed her a little bit um, after like not right away, but I was like we we're okay with this if you want to change this like we at the time she wanted she wanted us to have um to have our daughter in our room with us and not with her at all and i would this might i we just kind of pushed her and hey you know what you can have her with you if you don't want to that's fine i think you might want this we think you might want this you know 
And, and she did. And I'm really grateful that I did that. Like, I think it's like, obviously you don't want to push birth parents. That sounds bad, but not, not pushing, but making a suggestion just that, to, that maybe the, because they might, she might've been thinking that, Oh, you know, this is a, we wanted, I knew she kind of felt like wanted her it, to be a big part of it. She, you know, she also felt like, Oh, I can't change my mind. Right. Like I said, this was how it was going to go. And so I really feel like you have to be an advocate and whether that means to when they change their mind or something like do you know, go with it, right? Like, just realize, like, hey, this is your time to step back. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, that's, we actually did, you know, there we were like, hey, we're leaving for the whole day. We're going to go tour Denver, you know? I mean, so I think it's like, I think that's just kind of an important thing to not be in the way, you know? Um, also, something that really helped us out with our first adoption, our caseworker was great. Uh, and he gave us some great suggestions on how we could, um, and this was leading up into the time of, of the birth, uh, but also um, at the hospital. Uh, he, he told us to gauge our excitement. And so he would tell us, and, and he would, as we were talking to him, um, you know, we're, it's now a month away from the due date. He said, you guys can be 20% excited. No, 40. Maybe yeah. <laughs> or something. So, and, so he would gauge, you know, he'd tell us to gauge our excitement. So the, the why that's important is, is because sometimes you go to the hospital and then you go home with, without a child in the car seat. And, uh, and so if you go in there at 100%, um, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard. And, uh, and so to, and also with telling, uh, you know, family or friends, we would also use that same gauging uh, with our family and friends. And so they weren't like, anyways, it just, it just made it, it made the experience better. Um, so that was, some, that was some good advice that we use uh, all throughout the adoption process with, with both our uh, adoptions, but that was some helpful advice. Yeah. I That's think one thing that we were thinking is just like, this is like, you're being invited in. This is a really like, for us, you know, we would call it really sacred, but it's a very special time. Like, and you are being invited. Just remember that. Like, this is not your time. This is um, something special that you get to be a part of. And so I think that's just kind of an important thing to remember. I think that's great advice. That's really that's great awesome. advice. How did you know that your child's birth mom was the right one for you? That was a question that we got from one of the people who listened to the podcast. It's just different in every situation. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, it would be nice if it was the same every time, uh, but it, it's not. And so it, you really have to go on how you feel uh, and with, with each situation, take it as situ each situation one at a time. And, um, and I just know like, um, you'll, you will feel that it's right. I mean, I was actually just talking with a friend today and I was telling her about just, there were, there were situations that we have said no to and, and truthfully, it probably sounds crazy, but we've probably said no, I don't know, at least 10 times, you know, and, um, maybe more, which, which sounds crazy. Like, I think people would think, what do you mean? Like, no wonder you only have two kids in 12 years. Like, <laughs> you know, but, we knew like that these that these children were not supposed to be in our family and we knew and and the hard thing is there were also times that we had and we were talking to an expectant mom and we were like wow this feels so right and yet that child's not in our family too and so i think that's what's tricky and it 
and there have been times where I felt like I can't even, I don't even trust myself anymore. Like I don't even know what to do. And, and sometimes Andrew would say, we're just going to move forward until we feel one way or the other. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and in those situations, we, you know, I mean, we would, like we, we would feel like, yeah, this doesn't feel quite right. Like we've just got so many questions or it's just not all working out. Um, and there were other times where it was like, Hey, you know what? This feels right. Yeah. Something feels good and I mean even with our last adoption there were things about it that we were like oh you know she really didn't you know it was just we really like open adoption and so this was closed and we were like we don't want to do it we really truthfully were like this is hard you know we don't want to do a closed adoption but we knew like this is right you know and and so we moved forward and I, I think You'll just know, and it's hard. I think everyone says like, oh, you'll know, it will be fine. But really, you have to kind of just trust that. And, and they don't know, those people that say that, oh, you'll know, it'll be fine. Like, it it hurts, it hurts saying. But we're saying it too. <laughs> I know, but, but, it, but yeah. it, when you say no, it, right. it hurts. It's and hard it's, it's hard, it's, it's, it's like a heartbreaking thing. It's almost like you've got a death in the family all of a sudden because something that you really I've wanted and and then you're saying no this actually isn't going to work so it's, it's a difficult thing but that's where i think having um uh, a strong uh, relationship with your spouse um can really help you as you're having those difficult times and and so while this can be a rocky time you know i i'm so glad that Brandon and i have a great relationship uh because uh, and, and through this all, we've grown. I feel like we've grown closer together, even though it's been a very difficult, bumpy road. And it's been a good road too, but it's been bumpy at times. <laughs> I think we can really relate to that too. Um, the other part of that question is, how did your children's birth moms know that you were the right parents? So, so that really was so different. Um, for both of them and um and one of them obviously like where we have one adoption that's very open you know i mean she just talked to us like you know she even said like oh i looked up other things but there were just certain things that stood out to us and she, she just said like people. oh right she, sorry she looked up other people right like or she had done searches basically I, that's what i was thinking she had done searches for certain things and um certain characteristics but she she kind of just kept coming back to us and it just felt right um and you know i mean with our younger daughter for her there were just some specific things that she felt like okay with the families that that were presented there were just like it was just like one or two things that they told us like oh she this is what she liked about your family and but that's so specific to um, to each birth parent, and so it's really kind of it just be it's just, just be hard. honest, yeah, just, just be honest, be yourself uh, when you're putting your things in the profile. You know, and I think, yeah, I mean, it'll just help them to know. And, Everyone yeah. wants to be the awesome family that goes to Disneyland every year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just be yourself. We recently interviewed our daughter's birth mom, and she had very similar sentiments, like just be you and the right person's going to find you because you're being, you're, you're authentic. But if you're trying to put on some show, you're not going to connect with the right person. Yeah. Right. 
So we had a, a couple other questions about waiting to adopt. And one specifically said, I'm having a really hard time not going crazy while I'm waiting. What suggestions would you have in this waiting process? And the other one is, I feel like I'm never going to get picked. What do I do not to lose hope? So those kind of are similar questions. So if you want to answer them together, you can. Or if you have separate answers, we can go ahead. In preparation, I kind of read this this thing that had been written up by Andrew's sister, um, she had like written this article on waiting and she had like talked about it and I was rereading it because it was helpful because she was, she was talking about our experience and how um, we had been trying to adopt again. Um, after the second time, she was like, you know, and they've been waiting for four years. And I was like, right, that was a long time. And it wasn't over. Like our, our daughters are, you know, almost it's anyway, it's like six years, right. That we, it was basically a five year process or between our adoptions. And, um, waiting is so hard it just kind of brought it back to me it's like it's so real like in and it's hard and in that moment it feels like it just it feels heavy and it feels hard and it feels like it's you're never going to get out of this um and so i want to go in on that and then i want to say the thing that i have learned is that you have to forget about yourself and realize that it's not about you and this it's so hard because I'm like, I've been there. We were there for years. It felt so frustrating and really hard. I would see friends who, and I had a friend who adopted three kids in the time we were waiting for one. I'm like, how is this possible? But so it's really hard um, to be there, but it really is not about you. And in the, and in this adoption timeline, um, your life, this waiting process, is truthfully probably the easiest process. Um, when you are, are thinking about birth parents and maybe they feel good about their decision, it's still a hard thing that they will sometimes struggle with for the rest of their life. And when you think about your children, um, although they may be happy in your home, it's still something that they're going to possibly struggle with for the rest of their life. And, and you are going to be helping them through that. And so I think you have to realize that this waiting, while it feels so hard, is really it's brief and it's not all there is and um and it isn't about you so try to focus on the other sides and i think the for for me what i would suggest is um to learn like to because when you have kids it's really hard to read all those books and learn all the things you would have learned about adoption and all the different things that come with it and um you can be happy now. Mm -hmm. Like you need to live your life now. Yeah. Don't say I'll be happy when we adopt. Um, just realize you can you can be happy now. And there was you know something that we had thought of too that can just help as you're as you're in this process of waiting. Don't set up the nursery too early. You know there were times in in between when it was taking a long time. I wanted to sell the crib. It was hard to see that crib folded up. Uh, in wherever we had it stored. We had it in a closet because we didn't have a lot of space. And so it was kind of a bad place to store the crib. Um, but, well, his side. <laughs> but but, but um, be mindful of those things. You know, it's while, while it sounds harsh to say it's not about you, um, it, well, on, on the other hand, it's okay to feel sad. It's okay mm -hmm. to um, have days where you really, it's really hard. You know, it's an emotional thing. Um, and and then that's when you can draw strength on, you know, with your, your 
for your family, your spouse? I think that, like, yeah, and that last one, like, you know, what do you do not to lose hope? I think that's what, to really find some support, too. Um, yeah, you can have bad days that you eat ice cream and chocolate, and that's great. <laughs> Um, sometimes we found that two like mudslide is good. Sometimes one of us would be doing worse than another, and that was really helpful. It's really hard when you're both having a bad day, yes. uh, and that happens. You kind of just have to, you know, keep putting one step in front of the other. It does help to have somebody else who can support, and sometimes that can just be a friend. We often found that it was really helpful to find people who had been through the adoption process. That's really helpful to find to have someone who you can talk to who has been through this and who understands that was really that's really been helpful for us we'd mentioned kind of the the up and down you know we each have different ups and downs and something that i i realized as we were in the middle of all that is that you know some days there'd be times when i was on the it was kind of like this roller coaster which roller coasters have fun but this one's not uh and and so it's you know sometimes you know, Brianna would be down and, and I was up where sometimes I would be down and she was up. And, and that was that was helpful when our, our downs were offset by someone else being okay. Um, and sometimes you'll have days where you're both down. Then go back to those things that bring you strength that, that you can rely on for, uh, for help and for hope. And uh, whether it is a family member or a friend, sometimes a friend is better than a family member, just because they're more involved sometimes, and so and, and so it's harder for them to see us sad. So sometimes it is better to find someone who can, you know, just see it from a different angle. All right, so it's a bit of a gear shift. So how do you handle having kids with different kinds of openness in their adoptions? It's really hard. Yeah, we have one option that is very open, and um, so we go and we're not in the same state, but we go visit the birth family, and we are connected with grandparents and great grandparents, and um, yeah, extended family, and on holidays we can, you know, birthdays. Yeah, uh, it's we can send things back and forth, and it's. Um, she gets a, you know, there's, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of love. Yeah, and and they and they've been really supportive of uh, our younger daughter as well, and that's been great. Like they've just included her um, as one of their own grandkids, and that's really very helpful. Um, so with our second daughter, our adoption is not open. Things kind of did open a little. Um, some people would call it semi-open, but. For us, when we see like so open, it just feels close. It doesn't feel semi-open, even though we have some details and we have um, some information. It's it's really quite opposite. Um, we don't have visits, and we don't. There's not a lot of communication, and so um, it's pretty much closed. Yeah, it really is pretty much closed. We just have some details, and so it's really hard. Um, but one thing that we have learned from the very start, and we're grateful for that, is just. Um, we just had, you know, in our first training, he's told us like, don't ever close an adoption because one looks different. Like if you have a really open adoption and then you have a close, never close that. And of course that seems totally obvious, but it's hard when you see like a child who, you know, when our daughter is just four and already starting to struggle a little, like, wait, you know, it's like, oh, maybe we shouldn't visit this, you know, part of you thinks that, like, oh, maybe we shouldn't visit this birth family as much, you know, but that's not the answer. Um, that's, 
that's not helpful either. You have to find a balance. And we've, um, so what we've realized is we've just, we can find out all we can about our daughter's adoption that is close. And, um, and we still talk to her about her birth mom and how much she loves her. And we tell her everything we can about her story. And um, we've been able to get some pictures and things like that. You can find a lot on the internet and a lot on Facebook. We have done that. You know, we've been able to yeah. to get things like that so that she can have something. Um, something. And I think that's what's important um, for her to have some kind of connection. And we always hope it will change. But yeah, we just kind of, we're learning as we go. So. I mean, it's definitely a learning process, but I love how uh, you mentioned that your older daughter's birth family has now included your younger daughter and just welcomed her in and, and given their love and support as well. Uh, yeah. I think that's really sweet. What do you wish that other people understood about adoption? People outside of the adoption world, maybe. I think what we were thinking is just, it's not the easy option. You know, I've had people just tell me like, oh, I... I you're so lucky that you get to adopt because you don't have to be pregnant for nine months and be sick. And, and I'm like, I kind of want to tell them like, Oh, that feels really hard that I'm lucky that I'm like breaking someone's heart and causing some trauma. And, uh, you know, this is what I'm doing so that I can have children in my family. And it's a little bit, um, tricky, uh, when you have uh, knowing how to respond to things like that. I think just realizing like, it's not easy and, um, there's a lot involved and I just wish, I wish also that just people realize how much love is involved. When I do fight about adoption, that's what I fight about. It's when people are like, Oh, I, I would love my child too much to be able to place them for adoption. And I'm like, Oh no, that you've got it all wrong. Like there was so much love there and can you imagine breaking your heart because you love someone so much that you felt like this was the best choice for them that is truly an act of love and those are the things that i really wish people understood was just how much love was involved and just that it isn't easy and i think it's good to know how you're going to answer that question when people say things like that so that you're not just like what like you know sometimes i think uh at the beginning we were learning about the grieving process, um, you know, for whatever reason it is that you're adopting, maybe, maybe it's impossible for you to have children or, or something like that. So um, there's part of this grieving process that you go through and people will say things that are so insensitive at times. And there are times when you just want to whip back and say something that's going to rip their heart out. You're like, just like, let me just make you feel like you just made me feel. <laughs> that's okay. You know, I mean, it's okay to be bitter sometimes. Uh, but then you know you can get to a point where you can respond to people in a good way because um, it, it it can be hard sometimes people say what are some things that people can say or do that are helpful when you're waiting to adopt and on the flip side what are some less helpful things that you would advise against saying to friends who are hoping to adopt so i think just saying hey i was i was thinking of you um, and I hope that things are going well for you, your family. I, I think that's that's just one of the best ways because you know when they when they start asking for specifics or have you got any good leads or any, have you got any you know like sometimes just getting into the details is exhausting and you don't want to get into the details with people who you know sometimes they ask and it'd just be nicer if they just said 
you know, I was thinking of you rather than make you, you know, put you on the spot to talk about something that's really hard. Yeah, and I think just less helpful. Uh, I mean, the one we talked about earlier, you know, saying like, that sounds great, really easy. Um, that's obviously not helpful, but no, I know people do care, but I, I agree with what Andrew said. Just let them know you're thinking of them. I think that's really the best thing to do because if they want to talk about specifics, they will. And um, just less helpful things are just, it's just not being supportive, you know? I mean, so anytime you feel like you want to pry into their lives or say like, why does it take so long, you know? Or um, I think for us to, at times in our, through our, our experience when um, expecting parents would change their minds, like that's something that we kind of had to educate our, our family and friends on. And I think if um, they're aware of that, that can be helpful too, to, to say, you know what, we still, we totally respect, you know, these people and this is her choice. And at any point she can change her mind. And, and it, while it might hurt, hurt us, like, it's not our child. It's like, this is not our child. And, and so I think that that's something too, like for in that experience, if that happens, you know, for someone else to just continue to be positive for for them to talk badly about um, this mom is not helpful because that's not how we feel. You know, we really often grow to love them and to really respect them. And with some, you know, you can continue that relationship on. And so I think that that's something that, it's important too to realize, like to not to not talk badly about any expectant mom who who does choose make a different choice. And if someone is talking to you uh, about it, you can shut them down because people, like I say, people ask nosy questions and try to make assumptions uh, around the situation, uh, and you can correct them, and, uh, and you don't want to go into details and tell them your story because. It's not worth it. And I think one thing I, I just realized too, one thing that isn't probably helpful for those who are waiting to adopt is to not say like, oh, I know a couple. And as soon as they adopted, she got pregnant. Like, that's also not helpful. Um, I've heard because that every one that that happens to, there's 10, 20 others that it doesn't happen to. And or a so, thousand. <laughs> I'm sure, so, I'm sure everyone, yeah. everyone will hear that at least. And, I, I've even Once had, a year had people tell us, like, I mean, we've even had people, I mean, and these were our friends who, like, you know, we've even had people tell us, oh, we knew it was right to choose adoption because it happened so fast. And I was like, oh, so I guess we were the wrong because we were waiting. So I think even things like that, like, just be supportive, let people know you care. We don't have to go into all those details about the amazing miracle that your friend, you can share that, but don't. I think sometimes when you expect like this is going to happen to you too, that's really not very helpful because it usually doesn't happen like that to you. And I think you know also being aware of like hard times like Mother's Day, um, with you know I, I think that's just something to be aware of on that time just to things not to say, uh, just be saying I'm thinking of you would be good. One time we not knowing that this particular cupcake shop was giving away cupcakes for Mother's Day the day before Mother's Day. Uh, we went in and we were in line and they had been giving like free cupcakes to all these women in front of us. And I said, I noticed that you're giving out free cupcakes. Like, what's that all about? And this was before we had adopted any children and we were waiting. And they said, oh, they're only for mothers. Are you a mom? And they look at her and like, 
Lynette just starts crying and walks out of the cupcakes store. I'm like, had to bite my tongue so hard not to say anything. But yeah, we have to be sensitive. I love that advice. We have a lot of people that ask us about race and adoption and families adopting children that are different races than the adoptive parents. And you fall into that category, right? So what advice would you give to those that are considering adoption specifically around transracial or biracial adoption? We are white and our oldest daughter is white and our youngest daughter is black. Transracial adoption is, we've learned a lot about it. This could really take an hour to discuss. I think there's just a couple things that we that we feel like are really important. And one of those first off the bat is that if you are not racist, if you say, you know, you go through those checklists of, of things that you're open to. And if you are not open to adopting a child that is another race than yourself, that does not mean you're a racist. Love is not enough in a transracial adoption. And this child will be growing up with your family, um, your extended family, your friends, your neighborhood. And if that neighborhood or that you have family members that you are close to who aren't okay with some things, who might be racist, um, and you may know that, like you have to be aware of that. Because what that means is if that is the case, you have to be willing to say, I'm gonna step away from that family member. I'm not going to expose my child to this person who has these racist views. And if you aren't okay doing that, that's okay. You just need to not adopt transracially. You know, often in these groups I'm in on Facebook that talk about transracial adoption, I mean, they say all the time, are you willing to move? if needed. And if not, like, then maybe don't adopt transracially because guess what? Your child is minority often. That's true for our daughter. You know, she's, she is the minority in our family. And so we have to put ourselves in situations where we are the minority, where she is surrounded by black people. And so again, it really depends on your family. Are you really private? Do you hang out with just your friends? If your child is your first black friend, then you should not be adopting them. Like you need to have other black friends. You need to have connections. If you don't, then then maybe you need to reconsider these things. And so I think some people will say, well, I'll, I'll make friends. And that's true. You can do that. Um, and we I've had to do more, but we also realized like there's still so many other things that we have to do. It's doable. There are a lot more I, I feel like it's so much easier today to find books with black people who are on the cover or just other races. Yes. Like, but it, it's easier, but it's still work. Like it's, you know, I mean, when we go and one of our daughters loves Barbies. So we're like, okay, well, we don't want to go to the stores and buy a Barbie because they're almost all white. But if I go online, I can find some that are black. You know, I mean, you can find some. There are a lot more these days, but it's like, we hardly ever buy white Barbies in this house anymore. Even though it's her white loves them. She, we keep sending links to like birth family and everyone like, yeah, see this black Barbie? This is the one she wants. Like, of course, right? Like, it's just what what's important yeah. to us now. And so, I don't know. I feel like for me, that's um, and that's just and be, being just, willing to. I mean, this is this is a much longer. This question is a great thing, and it, it could take. We can't answer it in a short time. And I'm sure that we'll do a whole episode on it at some point too. I think just being willing to learn and make changes in your life. If you're if you're considering it, really be honest and looking within yourself and make changes because you'll find some things that 
oh, uh, you'll need to change, and uh, and that you'll need to also correct people on, uh, and call them out, and uh, knowing how to respond to people when they are saying things that are racist or inappropriate. You need to be able to do that. Yeah, we could get away. People didn't know that our oldest daughter was adopted unless we told them. But now they know. I go on walks with her younger daughter in the neighborhood and I've had, I mean, someone who was pretty adamant, like, oh, she goes to this daycare, right? And I'm like, no, she doesn't. And she was like, are you sure? She looks like she goes to this daycare. And I'm like, who doesn't? And then she asked her daughter, she goes to daycare at Phillips, right? And she's like, I don't know. And she's like, is she yours? And I'm like, yes, this is my daughter. She's like, oh, then you would know. I mean, it's like, so I often get asked, are you her mother? Because I don't look like I'm her mother. And I, and I get that, but you have to be prepared for that. Like, these are going to be questions. And, and, you know, in one of these groups, I mean, I read like, so he is a transracial adoptee. And he said like, please don't answer those in anger. Like your child will feel like something is wrong with their adoption if you're always upset. When you want to just be super frustrated with people, you also have to realize like there's a child who's listening and so you have to respond in ways that are okay, but also ways that aren't going to, um, often people want to ask you a ton of questions. And so you kind of have to be creative in ways that you respond to say like, yep, this is my child and the conversation is over. So there are definitely things you have to learn. And so you just have to be prepared. Like you, we are aware, we live in Utah, it's very white and we are so aware of it now, now that our daughter is black. And when we go to, there are certain parks that I'm like, holy cow, we shouldn't have come to this city because where we are, it's a little bit diverse in our neighborhood. Um, for Utah. For, yes, for Utah. <laughs> We're in a school that's like 45% white. And so that is great um, for us. And so we feel like, oh, when we're in our neighborhood park, we see some diversity, but if we go to a neighboring city, we're like, wow, people are staring at us. And yeah. and they do, and we get those stares. And our older daughter's aware of them, and our younger daughter's going to be aware of them soon. And so it's something that you have to really ask yourself too. Am I comfortable with this? And and it's, it's okay if you're not. It doesn't mean you're racist. It just means you're being honest. And I think that's really important too to be aware of. There are a lot of things to consider. Really just do a lot of research, join groups on Facebook, read books, you know, um, that's really important to do that before you bring that child home. Because again, you won't have as much time when they're home. I love how focused your answer is on the adoptee. All right. Anything else you want to talk about on that subject? We have realized like as white parents, that there's a lot of work that we should be doing. So when you talk to black parents, um, parents of other races, like they have conversations with their children at a very young age about race, about racism, about how the world functions, about police, about, you know, just a lot of things. They're having these conversations at such a young age. And I've talked to friends who they're like, well, my daughter's eight or she's 12 now. So I feel like we should bring some of these things up, but it feels so awkward. And I'm like, this is not an awkward conversation. This shouldn't be, this isn't like the birds and the bees, you know, this is about race. You know, it, it is often see like people will say, oh, I am colorblind. I don't see color. Well, guess what? I do. And so do most people unless they truly are colorblind. And um, <laughs> you know what? There are so many beautiful things that the other races have to like, that we can learn from. and. 
and we need to see those and we need to to embrace those and so i think that that's really something that um that all parents can do is just like finding books learning information like there are there's so much out there and just being open to discussing even at a young age i think sometimes people feel like oh is it okay to call someone black like I mean, I've had people say like, is that your daughter over there with the curly hair? And I'm like, yes, she's the black, she is the black, like she is black. Like, and it's okay to say that she's black, right? But sometimes people are scared, you know, they're like, wait, can I say that? Um, and it's like, you can, you don't have to describe, like she's wearing a purple shirt, but not that purple, it's like, like <laughs> I have a black daughter and, um, and that's okay. Like, give the kids those words, teach them, and teach about racism, teach that it's real. Um, like, don't just teach, like, oh, we have the civil rights movement, and now everything's better. Um, I think we really have learned to embrace other cultures and to teach that, like, wow, look at, you know, these scientists who are black. I mean, we celebrate Black History Month all the time here. We've got books about, just like people have done great things and we don't always hear about it. We have a pretty whitewashed hist history that we hear about. And so I think really being honest and being open with your kids and really teaching them the truth, which sometimes means you have to first find out for yourself. And yeah. that can be hard. Um, it kind of challenges some things that maybe you grew up with, but I think. And you'll find out that your friends, important. you'll find out uh, pretty quickly when you start sharing, uh, sharing what you've learned that some of your friends are just maybe not your friends anymore. Uh, and and so it's it's something that you need to um, be prepared to do. And even there might be people that you really are friends with that you aren't going to be comfortable having your daughter uh, or your child around them because they're not they don't they don't understand. And uh, and so you know I've had to I've had to say sign our yeah <laughs> so. Um, yeah. So good. Yeah, I think we could fill hours and hours of content around this topic, but I think that the overview that you gave is really helpful and I think will be really helpful for our listeners. All right, then our last question is, what are your experiences with building different types of relationships with your children's birth families and your advice about building those relationships? you got to remember that... Um, these are people and relationships. It's not an assign. It's not. This is not an assignment. Uh, we're working with with people and with real relationships, and uh, they're going to be. And these people are important to your child, and so they should also be important to you. Uh, if if you're able, if the adoption is open in a way that that allows you to build a relationship, you need to do that. I think it's really easy sometimes for people to say, oh, it's, it's hard to keep up. You know, I mean, you guys, maybe you feel that sometimes. You've got four kids and that's, it's a lot of extended family. And sometimes at Christmas when I'm heading to the post office and I have all these packages, I'm like, wow, this is a lot. I got How many grandmas do we have? But I am grateful for that opportunity and I we have to be flexible um I quickly learned this I mean this was like with our oldest daughter 
I mean, we were, we lived like just a couple hours away. And so, you know, when we first adopted her, we saw her birth family all the time, but it was great. Like we were so grateful for that. Um, but there were times we were also exhausted. Like truthfully, it was like, oh man. And we were sending a lot of emails and doing a lot of things. But I, at one point I was like, I really just was like, I don't want to disappoint her and I want to be able to do this. Um, but I think like that's what's important too is realize like this is a relationship. So it's hard. I didn't want to be like just checking off a box. It's important to remember this is a relationship. And sometimes it's like, hey, you know what? This is going to be a short email because we didn't get any sleep last night. And um, know that because you're building that relationship, they're going to understand. But I think that's another thing that we've learned really. we've There have been misunderstandings at times. Um, you know, we thought one thing and we were thinking, oh, maybe this is going to be an awkward time or a, or a hard conversation. And I won't go into details, but I'll just say the one thought I had at that time was like, we're going to kill him with kindness. Like we are just going to show love and kindness because that's how we feel. That's what we want. And that's what we did. Um, and kind of what we felt was kind of, a, we were worried. We, we were worried it was going to be a hard situation and it ended up being beautiful. It was like, it was totally misunderstandings on yeah. multiple sides. And now it's great. Now, yeah, we have a great relationship. And so I think there are sometimes things where, especially for us, because we've had, we have relationships with many sides of the birth families. And so um, I think when you have that, and there's so many people involved, there often are misunderstandings, but I think to just realize like, be flexible and be open and really just include everyone that you can in your child's life. You know, more love around your child is always better. And it's just so important for them to feel loved. It's, I've never been adopted, um, but I've talked to a lot of people who have been, and we are raising two people who have been. And I, I think there's so many different, you know, complex things that can come up. And so I think the more open you are and the more willing you are to um, help them to feel loved by many is, it's just going to help. I think it is, we, we've, you know, we've talked about, it's good to have lots of grandmas. Uh, and, <laughs> You know, not, not everyone can do that, you know? So it's, there's just a lot of love uh, and that's good. Yeah, lots of grandmas is awesome. You can't go wrong with more grandmas. That's good. <laughs> I loved my two grandmas growing up, but when our kids get to say, you know, they have X amount of grandma and grandpas, other kids are like, what? That's not fair. And so, you know, there's some nice. really good perks. <laughs> <laughs> anything else related to adoption or anything else on your mind that you didn't share tonight that you would want either, you know, hopeful adoptive couples or other people that are related to or connected with those that have adopted to know, you know, hang, hang in there, you know, it's, uh, there's, there are times that it's difficult, but hang in there and, um, find, find your support groups that are, that are helpful, uh, within your family, your friends, circles of friends, uh, maybe see even some groups on Facebook that are helpful or something, but just know it, adoption is great and it can be hard to, I think one thing that's helpful for us sometimes is to just remember like, um, to remember those times where we were in the hospital. Like I, I think it, it's important to kind of like hear about those times to learn about those times. It kind of puts a different perspective on it. And it, it always helps me to just remember like, remember being there with our daughter's birth moms and having them make those decisions and place these children in our family. Like those are really times where um, 
kind of just brings it all back. You know, it was, uh, like we said before, it was a really special time, but it helps me keep a perspective too. So even if I have never had that happen, um, if I was able to listen to like birth parents to talk about that experience, to talk about those things, I think it's so valuable to listen to those and to just really try to to see where they're coming from and to see what's important to them. I think that really, that's that really was helpful for us to just learn from birth parents who had place before we were there. And, and then after that time, um, even in our waiting, when we were waiting for years, it was helpful too to remember that, to remember that like, there are good times in adoption. There are beautiful things that can happen. Uh, it can be hard, but a lot of good things are hard. Awesome. Thank great. you guys so much for joining us on this episode. I honestly, we know that this is going to help a lot of people. Your experiences, I think, are really helpful. And you articulated things really, really well. So thank you for sharing your thoughts. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Open Adoption Project. Brianna and Andrew are so articulate and they shared so much wonderful information. They truly are such great people and are incredible adoption advocates. And again, we're so grateful that they were willing to join us for this episode. Our podcast is now available on Google Podcasts in addition to the other platforms that we've already been on, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and just click the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using to listen to this episode. That way you'll get episodes as soon as they're released. Also, if you have a second to jump onto Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a review and write a comment. That'll really help us out. We'll be back next week with a new episode. In the meantime, if there's something that you'd like us to discuss in future episodes, just send us a message. You can email us at openadoptionproject@gmail.com at gmail.com or send us a message on Instagram. We appreciate all of our listeners. Thank you.